Today's episode of Tampering is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest in uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, Stop waiting. Join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to tampering.robinhood.com. That's tampering.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co forward slash fees. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Tampering at the Athletic. I am Sam Amick, NBA insider here, as always, with friend, colleague, pal, fellow NBA insider, Joseph Varden. What's up, brother? Not much, man. Not much. How's your hand? Oh, well, you just got to jump right in, huh? This is the <laughs> trolling part of the tampering episode. I Full disclosure, I, I might have asked for it off the air. We have a medical update at the top of the show. Um, this uh, not very wise 42-year-old man who jumped on an electric scooter on a road trip in Dallas last month couldn't just jump in the Uber, couldn't jump in the Lyft. Had had dinner, watched games, was ready to go back to the hotel. This is for the listeners who might have missed uh, missed previous episodes. Got on the scooter, a good 15-mile-an-hour crash. Hurt like hell for quite a while. Uh, painful handshakes in NBA arenas all over the, the country, even in Canada, up in Toronto. And since have found out about 31 days later that we have a fracture in the wrist. Uh, nothing like waiting a month to go to the doctor. So uh, I've been, I've been, you know, gutting through, Joe. I think the takeaway here is that I'm a, I'm a tough ass man. I think that's all, all I'm going to take from this. You play hurt, and uh, I think yes. that there's a lot of, the, you know, a lot of the people we cover could learn a thing or two from you that you just got to tape it up and play, right? Right. Listen to you going old school style. I like no it. load management. No, God, no. no, no. This is great. That's you know, I, I feel bad for you that you have been operating for so long with a with a broken hand, but. Um, this is good. No, we're fine. We got through it. Uh, and, and, you know, the last thought on that front, we'll get into the show here. It is funny, man, the psychological aspect of the body and how, like, I swear the hand didn't actually hurt that much for the past month. And once the doctor tells you there's a fracture in there, now all of a sudden it hurts, which is a weird little phenomenon. So, um, you know, I'm almost wishing I didn't know, and I'm sure eventually it would have healed. Well, I'm coming to you all uh, from Boston. Uh, I'm here t- for the uh, Lakers and Celtics, and um, our good friend at ESPN, uh, Timmy Good Times Bontemps, was uh, so kind and generous to invite a number of um, the traveling uh, writers who are in town to his place on on Sunday night in uh, in Boston, not far from Fenway Park, to watch the second game. For Football game, the the Packers and the 49ers. Uh, his fiance uh, made some uh, wonderful pasta for dinner, and uh, and there was wine. Um, even shout out to Kelly. May, Good job, Kelly. Maybe even opened a bottle or or six. Um, but the the 
I think the selling point here was that that Tim is a big video game guy and uh, and and has a Nintendo Switch, which I have uh, because of my son who loves to play loves to play those games. And so Tim had Mario Kart, which of course is a great party game. But I'm talking so much shit because you know we're I'm in a room full of adults. Uh, or so I thought, and uh, and I have access to Mario Kart to the to the Switch version of Mario Kart, and I play it with my kid. So I'm telling everybody as uh, the game goes on and the 49ers are kicking their ass, like you know we're gonna play Mario Kart, and you're all playing for second. And uh, over the course of probably about two hours, there was only one race where I didn't finish last. Um, and so my bi- <laughs> my biggest takeaway from this is that my kid must suck at Mario Kart because I always <laughs> kick his ass. And, uh, you know, I just got, uh, you know, I, I got ran out of the room, so to speak. All right. We have two good humbling takeaways to start the show. The second is do not use your own children as a means to boost your own confidence in, in <laughs> adult life, Joe. That's, That's right. not how this is supposed to go. Welcome to Tampering with Sam Amick and Joe Varden. The game that we all cover, this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. To be able to bring uh-huh. people together. What do, baby? Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation. Into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league. Is stop talking about players on other teams. What did I do? And the charges filed. Impermissible contact. Was right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. It's <laughs> <laughs> awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention Deans anymore. That's <laughs> what I like to play with Kevin Durant. The trial you won with the tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. That's what I decided. Everybody wants like I have tampered with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. All right, this week on the show, we're going to get into a bunch of different things. Um, first and foremost, uh, you know, always time for a good all-star debate. Uh, for the fans and listeners who don't know, the NBA a couple years ago changed the voting system. You have 50% of the vote uh, being attributed to the fans, 25% to the media, 25% to players. And our votes, Joe and I both voted, were due today. Uh, we're going to get into that. I think a lot of these are going to be you know somewhat uh you know kind of a universal everybody's going to agree but there's definitely some debates here and so we'll have fun with that we're going to talk about your project piece that you've been teasing on the show for quite some time and look forward to hearing the behind the scenes story headline reads how mlb the nba and the pga used negotiation by bayonet to get a slice of state gambling revenue that is uh i mean fascinating stuff and, and the kind of deep dive that you can always find at the athletic, good work by you, Joe. Look forward to getting into that, and then some other just chatter around the league. I wrote about Luka Doncic last week and made Sacramento Kings fans everywhere cry because they're one of the you know three teams that that didn't uh, didn't pick him, and they're still kind of paying the price for it. Um, and plenty of other stuff going on. Um, but let's talk All Stars, brother. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have? Your ballot in front of you. Let's start with that. Well, I just because I'm of such clear mind, uh, just with razor sharp memory, um, I actually don't need it in front of me. I can just recite wow. the votes. Impressive. Um, you should have used that razor sharp mind in Mario Kart, but that's another story. <laughs> boy, oh boy, I'll tell you. So with the All-Stars, um, I feel like eight of the ten votes anyway are, are pretty simple. Um, in the West, I don't see any room for debate. I think you have Luca and Harden and then LeBron, AD, and Kawhi. Check, check. 
I think the Kawhi one's a discussion. I did. I, I did. We're on the same page. We have the same West team, but I do think the Kawhi one is, is a debate. Yeah, I mean, and you can get into it because of what, because of the load management stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, it's 10. So listen, I think he kind of, at least for people like me who didn't vote until the day before the deadline, it did subtly impact me that the Clippers, I think they've won four out of five. He's had some big games. He's a, a very meaningful part of their team right now, and they are, you know, in a very good position in the West. Four games behind the Lakers, but um, ten games missed. Yeah, you know, and I don't care if it's load management or for whatever reason, but you know, you start looking at that threshold of, you know, did he miss too much to get that vote? The other guys that I at least took a beat to consider were uh, Nikola Jokic and Rudy Gobert. Uh, you know, but you look at Jokic and he's been in a great place for a while now with the Nuggets, but early on certainly struggled quite a bit. Um, certainly not giving you anywhere near the defensive presence of a Kawhi Leonard or a Rudy Gobert. Rudy's always a tough one because, for one, still fighting for his first all-star berth, and, and I just think he's a tremendous player that gets overlooked all the time. But, but yes, ultimately uh, Kawhi was the choice there. Yeah, I just think, um, like for instance, last year, going into the all-star game and into voting. I mean, LeBron was hurt. He was out with his groin and um, he did come back and play in the all-star game. And of course I voted for him uh, just because I felt like he was still one of the better, one of the best players in the, in the league, uh, very top. And, and um, is a, just as, as an aside that that kind of spun the other way after the all-star break where he just never hit that gear. Um, but anyway, uh, so, so, so for all-stars injuries to a point don't bother me as much. So long as like the player is very clearly uh, one of, if not the best. And I, I believe that Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the NBA today. Um, and in the Clippers' two biggest games this year, both against the Lakers and LeBron, it was Kawhi who dominated those games, especially in the fourth quarters. And so I just I thought it was Pat Beverly. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so, so for me, uh, Kawhi was, was a no-brainer. Um, the East, the, one, the three that are easy. Hold on. Real, let, me, let me throw it back to you this right, way. Right. I, I, no, I'm fascinated by the – forget about the votes for a minute and just talk voting philosophy. Um, I'm a little bit, I don't know if I'm OCD or what it might be, but I'm a little stubborn when it comes to the very literal, you know, uh, experience of, okay, tracking what these guys did in the first half of the year and who should be an all-star there. And I don't give a lot of preference to the kind of the unofficial stature that a guy might have within the league. I get the sense that the way you're kind of breaking it down, you're wired a little bit differently. So, you know, and, and this probably does segue into the East. I'm curious to hear, what you did on the guard front, because there's a guy who you used to cover in Cleveland who who probably fits in that category where his stature is such that he's definitely all star worthy, but he's missed a whole bunch of games before you you kind of give the reveal there. Um, how do you approach that aspect of voting? Yeah, I mean, I just I think that you have to keep it within reason um, in in in. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, I would bet that Kawhi Leonard has missed what five or six games this year. Um, no, it's 10. It's 10. 10 games. Okay, so yeah. it's 10 out of – they've played about 42. Uh, 43. Yeah, 43. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, Kyrie has missed a lot more than that. 
Um, he missed more than a month, I think. Uh, maybe even close to two months. He was out for a long time. He was out for the dirt. I'm going to get it here. Whole- Kyrie Irving has played 15 games. Yeah. Yeah. 15 yeah. out of, out of 40, whatever that's, th- th- I mean, he hasn't even played half the game. So, so I, right. I, I did. Yeah. So I just try to find a sweet spot in there. Like I would not vote for Steph Curry. I did not vote for Kyrie Irving, which, um, the injury really screwed him because he was off to the best start of his career. Um, he was, fantastic until he had gotten hurt and was his numbers were up all across the board so he was cruising towards towards that you're right Um, but there's a threshold for you obviously yeah i I mean it's like i don't know exactly what it is but in Kyrie's case Yeah. yeah i mean he hasn't even played half their games like right um so i just yeah i don't do that and then as we fair enough as we go deeper because you and i are going to vote again um come springtime for stuff like MVP and all rookie and all this team and that team. And that is where I really get into how many games you play. Um, I will 100% not vote for, for Kawhi Leonard for MVP. Just he's not, he's not the MVP. Um, doesn't play enough. I need the MVP to play. And, uh, and so I, I get way much more into that as we go on down. Um, okay. As we go on down. So, uh, so yes, yeah, so, so in the East, um, I thought the three, three votes were easy and that was Giannis, Kemba and, um, uh, Joel. I thought those were the three easy ones. Um, the two difficult ones were that second guard, which everybody in the NBA is having trouble with, uh, in terms of like, who are you going to vote for there? And then, um, and then there's the, the wing spot. In the in the east, and uh, I went with Jimmy Butler over uh, Siakam, um, and then I, you know what, I I uh, I'm sure you didn't go this way for the other guard spot. I decided to give my vote to Spencer Dinwiddie, um, ah. and I did it. I, I don't think he'll get it. I think it'll go uh, go elsewhere. But I thought he was fantastic in Kyrie Irving's absence and really elevated himself and his level of play and his numbers are certainly worthy of consideration so i was able to cast a vote that was different without being outlandish like it's not outrageous to vote for spencer this time and so who knows when he'll be in that position again so i thought you know what screw it i'm gonna vote for him i'm not mad at that at face value i'm now digging to uh to, to get to the numbers um I mean, listen, I, I'm, I'm a big sucker for the correlation between collective success, you know, and, and assigning some kind of all-star love, which is going to fly in the face of one of my picks, which you can probably guess. So Spencer is, you know, 21, almost 22 points a game, six and a half assists, shooting, uh, you know, well, the percentage is a little bit down, 42 from the field, uh, 29 from three. Listen, they're a good story. Uh, that's a tricky spot. I'm not mad at that. Um I did. So you and I differ only on that guard spot. And uh, I've got Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks. I'm I'm making a choice to get over the collective lack of success. And uh, I'm going, anybody who's mad at me, I'm going to largely blame our friend and colleague, Howard Beck of Bleacher Report. I went on his pod last week. We had a similar kind of robust discussion about all-star voting and he added some nuance and context that, that did kind of stick in my head. I, I jotted a note to myself here, Joe, uh, in the last 10 years, and, and this kind of speaks to the idea that let's not pretend that Trey Young is the first guy with big numbers on a bad team who got some all-star love. The last 10 years, 42 all-stars uh, came from losing teams, and six of them 
last year, Kemba Walker, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Davis among them. So I understand that you could argue immediately that this is uh, more extreme. They have the worst record in the NBA. Uh, he's also been spectacular. Now, you know, listen, on the offensive end, he is a defensive liability. Uh, so are a bunch of other guys on these all-star yeah. rosters. 29 points a game, almost eight and a half assists, four and a half rebounds, which is for his size is even a little higher than I would have thought. Uh, a PER, a shout out to our colleague, John Hollinger. That's his stat player efficiency rating of 23.61. Um, the guy's numbers jump off the page. His play jumps off the screen. He has been one of the most entertaining individual players in the entire league in a year where there has not been nearly enough of that. So for all of those reasons, uh, I'm getting over the other debate. Going with Trey at the guard spot, Kemba at the other guard spot, and then I think Jimmy Butler is is 100% deserving. The Miami Heat were not supposed to be this good. Jimmy is you know the epicenter of all they do. He's not only playing fantastic ball himself on both ends of the floor, but he's just absolutely you know destroying the narrative that surrounded him the last couple of years in Minnesota, which that he that he was a bad influence on young players. He's had a fantastic influence on the Heat's young talent by all accounts, and now all of a sudden you know we have ourselves a new Eastern Conference contender, even with him not having that other conventional star at his side. Now, Bam Adebayo certainly becoming one. Uh, and then the other two forward spots or front court spots uh, to Giannis and Joel. So we're close, but a couple differences there. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, really, it's just uh, what? I mean, in the East, it was it was with the guard. Just Trey. Yeah, which is fine. Yep. It's fine. I mean, yep. like, I think that Bradley Beal's going to get a lot of votes and the Wizards stink. Um you know he's had a great year, and and so he's deserving. I think you also talk about, um, you know, uh, Kyle Lowry. Pascal is, is in the yeah, uh, yeah yeah yeah. Well, but but Pascal's not a guard, right? right? I, I was moving front court. Sorry. Yeah Go yeah ahead. yeah. Because um, that's kind of the thing. I think everyone's talking about that second East guard because of the Kyrie yep. injury. Like, who's going to get it? I I I don't have his numbers. Um, I I had given consideration to Brogdon just because he's playing guard for the Pacers and the Pacers are like a lot better than I thought they would be. Um, certainly without Victor Oladipo. And so I liked the way that had gone. Um, it's interesting to Milwaukee. I mean, they are on pace for 70 wins and nobody's talking about Eric Bledsoe or, or Chris Middleton. And I actually, if, right. I don't even know what, um, I'm not sure what, what uh, Middleton is listed at on the all-star ballot. I just didn't consider him. Um, so he's, I mean, he, to me, he's, he's got to be an all-star reserve. I mean, he's coming in at around 20 a game yeah. career high and, and, and field goal percentage and, and scoring and, you know, but I just don't think he needs to be a starter. I, you know, listen, another guy who's going to get votes and who is very divisive uh, is Ben Simmons. And, you know, I think, and that's, that's a debate that gets even more interesting because of that whole, that whole unofficial calculus where you want the starters to, to a degree to reflect kind of what the standings might look like. Again, Trey is the outlier in the Mm -hmm. East, but the idea of having Embiid and Ben Simmons both be all-star starters, is just, you know, it's a, it, it belies the fact that the Sixers have underperformed. And so, you know, he's a tricky one because hell of a defender, so versatile and huge for them on that end, uh, giving you 15 a night scoring-wise, almost eight rebounds, eight and a half assists. Um, 
I mean, he's a hell of a player. So much of the focus is on the fact that he's obviously not shooting at all, and that continues to be a, just a huge uh, Achilles heel in his in his uh, in his game. But you know, I think he's going to get some votes. So, and I think like you said something that just kind of made me think of this, and and just thinking more about the Trey vote because you're you know you voted for him, and yet you sound concerned that the Hawks are literally the worst team. Um, I I actually I think that that the league got a little serious on this a little too serious about um d- trying to take the st- to a degree like the the popularity of a player and the star power of a player out of the equation by introducing us into it um I I feel like the all-star game and the all-star weekend and all-star just in general I think a lot of that is for the fans and if they want if the fans want to see Steph Curry um, I, I actually don't really have that much of a problem with it. I mean, he's actually won't be available. That's not to play. it, though. You know that it's not Steph and those guys. It's it's Zaza Pachulia. It's Taco Fall. You know that's that's why the mechanism was put in place. This is the Zaza rule, and I, he's one of the coolest, kindest dudes on the planet. I love you, Zaza, but you got no business being at All Star Weekend, and he came very close. Uh, whatever year that was. And that is, I mean, Taco Fall, I don't have the results in front of me, but, you know, he came in, uh, you know, extremely high in the voting. And I think that's, they just wanted to create a safeguard to to avoid that type of a thing because it's not, I'm with you, it's not that serious, except that guess what? Like when these dudes retire and they look back on their careers, they are absolutely defined partly by things like this. You know, a guy who comes to mind, uh, Mike Bibby, and he's had such a great run with the Kings back in the day was never an all-star. I guarantee you that tugs at him to this day. So not serious, but I, I bet you Mike could go back and study those rosters and, and you know, and who knows if it was related to just, well, it would have been the votes, but like go back and say, I should have been in over this guy or that guy. So I think there's a happy medium. Keep it light, keep it fun, give the fans who they want, but don't have any craziness like, you know, Taco Fall being out there. Before we get off the all-star train, Joe, um, and I don't know if I'm leaving anybody else out, uh, the reserves are going to be interesting um, because pa- uh, Pascal Siakam in particular has got my attention as a guy that I don't think there's any chance in hell that he gets left off, but that, you know I'll feel better once that gets secured because you have a guy who early on I think was honestly in the MVP discussion for the first six weeks or so, uh, dealt with some injury stuff and still coming in around 24 points a game, seven and a half boards, almost four assists. The Raptors as a story – uh, have just been, you know, so much better than we thought they were going to be post Kawhi Leonard. So Pascal's a guy who I thought was going to be an All Star starter not too long ago. I, I think now he probably won't be, but he's he's right there too. Yeah, you know, I I, I think he's he absolutely has to make the team. Uh, of course, you're correct. Chris Middleton has to be a reserve in the East. Um, I think Bam is one. Uh, pretty pretty sure. I'll be interested to see what happens with Boston. Because there's been a lot of discussion about uh, is Jalen Brown or, or Jason Tatum all-star worthy. Um, neither of them will make it as starters, but I, I think there's a discussion there maybe for one of them as a, as a reserve. Um, so and then in the West, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Jokic for sure is, is um, I mean, he's he's in there and then just kind of on down the way. I mean, I don't think Paul George is one. Uh, that's an interesting one. I mean, he's he's missed a bunch of games too. Uh, I don't know. We'll we'll table that one till next day. We're gonna do a reserves 
debate when we actually dive in and do our homework on that front. We're kind of spitballing here. Yes. Um, let's pivot, if that's okay with you, good buddy, uh, into your hard work on the gambling story that you had been teasing on this podcast for quite some time. And before, I feel like this disclaimer needs to be given. Like, there is a tendency in sports fandom to, you know, only pay attention to the best teams, the best stars, the biggest stars, the biggest stories. Uh, There is an entire fascinating world uh, beneath the surface of all these sports leagues, but certainly the NBA. And then this story that you worked on also encompasses MLB and PGA that, you know, it's going to take a little more uh, focus and nuance to, you know, pay attention to and learn about, but man, is it worth it? And I do, uh, I say this a lot, I I sound like a commercial, but the athletic affords, you know, it's writers, the opportunity to pursue things like this. Um, Take us through the piece and, and share with us kind of the backstory on, on why this particular subject became of interest to you and, and how you chased it down. Yeah, well, thank you for that, uh, and I'm thrilled to finally be able to talk about this story with with all of you. Uh, the story, which which Sam referenced earlier, uh, how the NBA, M- MLB, and PGA used negotiation by bayonet uh, to get a piece of of the gambling pie. It's a story that is centered around the idea that for two years now in the United States, um, sports betting has been legal. Now, even saying it that way is not precisely correct. Two years ago, the Supreme Court ruled that a federal ban on betting on sports was unconstitutional. They threw it out. And so then what could happen was is state by state, you can pass laws um, making making sports betting okay. And the leagues, um, not just the NBA, Major League Baseball, uh, but also the NFL and and the NCAA, um, were forever against this. I mean, entirely against it, and actually sued uh, the state of New Jersey in in twenty. I think first sued him in twenty eleven or twenty twelve um, for uh, a law that Chris Christie tried to pass as governor there and 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 basically that lawsuit became the 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 sort of the vehicle that that led to the overturning of the entire ban at by the Supreme Court and so when the league saw that this was going to go against them that that gambling was actually going to become uh legal across the United States they said okay how are how do we figure out how to make money on this and so uh, there was like this alliance formed by the NBA and Major League Baseball. They decided that they were going to hire the same lobbyists. They were going to go to every state that was considering making a, or passing a, a sports betting law, and they were going to make the same argument uh, together. And the first state where this happened was in West Virginia. Uh, early in 2018, while the uh, Supreme Court was actually still deciding um, the 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 ban, and th- that's where they went to work first. And uh, the alliance was first just the the NBA, Major League Baseball, and then the PGA got involved as well. Uh, don't pay nearly as much for the same lobbyists as the other two leagues did, but so now they're the they're this triumvirate, and they're going state house to state house asking for a cut of every bet placed on their specific sports. And they gave it a funny name. It was called the integrity fee. 
and in state house by state house, they were laughed out of the building. Uh, there's just no way that that any of the legislatures were going to make casinos uh, and sports books pay the leagues off of each bet. Uh, it was just a losing argument. But what they did do is they figured out a, a separate way to make the casinos and the sports books pay them off of sports betting. And they did it through this thing that's called official league data. And what it is, it's literally the sale of their statistics. Um, and that is a really fascinating component of the story. It gets very confusing to discuss it. But basically what the leagues have done is they are they package all of their statistics like easy stuff like home runs and points per game and rebounds and whatever um and then also really like nitty gritty advanced stuff like um shot selections by like periods in games and um you know frequency of threes per possessions and uh pitch locations for various pitchers depending on counts like it gets really granular um and they sell all of this to these data companies that exist there are these there are a number of companies that basically take this information or collect it by themselves. Now, that's a key difference. But they do it one of two ways, and then they distribute it to uh, media companies like The Athletic and also to, uh, betting, to, to betting sites, to casinos, to sports books, all that kind of stuff. So um, the, the, in 20, late 2015, early 2016, three NBA owners, Michael Jordan, Ted Leonsis, and Mark Cuban – made an investment in one of these companies and the name of the company is sport radar and combined the investment was 44 million dollars and within a couple months of that investment all of a sudden the nba uh signed an agreement with sport radar in which sport radar would be the sole provider of uh of um what is called now official <laughs> league data to all the media companies like ours and also to uh, casinos overseas and sports books overseas. And then as um, as gambling became legal in the U.S., there was another deal signed uh, between the leagues and not just the NBA but the NBA and Major League Baseball with Sport Radar. For the same thing in the United States, that Sport Radar would distribute uh, the league's information. It would be called official league data. And here is how the leagues leveraged that. They went to the casinos and said, okay, for years you've been getting information from Sport Radar. And the information you were getting from Sport Radar didn't come from us. And now everything that Sport Radar gets does come from us. So if you don't pay us for the right to get Sport Radar's data, we are going to cut off the data you were already getting. And the casinos use this data to basically uh, shape their bets. So you can go – like if you're trying to bet online, like you can bet – whether the next pitch is going to be a fastball or a curveball or whether um, you know the next play in basketball is going to be a Steph Curry three-pointer or something like that. And all the information, again, is based on this, da on this data. And that was the threat that was made is if you don't start paying us, we are going to get Sport Radar to cut off your data. 
And so over the last year or so, while these legislative fights were going on, the the leagues were beginning to make deals with the casinos and the sports books individually. They still are going to the state houses though, and they're asking lawmakers in every state where there is sports betting to uh, give them an integrity fee, which they won't. Um, but then they're also asking for the for the legislatures to write this official league data thing into the law, and the law would basically say, okay, if you are going to take a bet on sports in this state, you have to have your data from the leagues. Well, of course, the data doesn't come from the leagues. It comes from Sport Radar. Um, and so that they're, they're trying to sort of double down on that basically to prevent from the following. They have these, they have these individual uh, deals right now, but if the casinos see that they aren't lucrative, that they're not making money really by being able to say their data is, quote, official – then there's nothing holding them to re-upping that agreement with the leagues when when they expire. And so then the leagues are back to square one on trying to make money off sports betting. So they're trying to get this at the state houses. They've gotten it actually into the law in three states, Michigan, Illinois, and Tennessee, and the fight is ongoing. Um, I've been working on this story for three months. We've been te- I've been teasing it on here. And I think the interesting thing is to t- try to tell you guys – um, how the story started, and <laughs> I initially started looking into this because um, a source of mine and I thought that the arrangement with Sport Radar was a way for the league, for the NBA, to um, effectively not share proceeds from gambling with the players. Um, that, that was a wide, uh, people in the gambling industry who were watching this all like, that was like a, something that they were all talking about, that this is why the leagues are actually doing it this way because of sport radar. Uh, if, if sport radar gets paid and then turns around and pays the league, the thought was, is that the league wouldn't then have to share any money with the union. Um, so did some reporting on that, took it to the league, to the NBA. They vehemently denied it. Um, the the players union didn't have much to say but they uh, other than i mean they said to their knowledge that that wasn't true that they were getting everything they were supposed to be getting um so in the process of reporting on this thing that would have been really uh, a bombshell uh you know the the leagues were or that the nba had found a, a way to to take money out of lebron's pocket that wasn't true but in reporting for that um we found all this other great stuff all this really interesting Behind the scenes, nitty gritty, like strong arming, you know, bully tactics, uh, failure f- across the country in certain ways um, th- that kind of marked these leagues attempt to get the gambling money over a, over a course of, of two years. And so, yeah, I, I, uh, I really enjoyed doing it. I hope you guys get a chance to check it out. Um, I think it's worth your time. Well, first of all, forget about LeBron's pocket. There's a, enough in there. It's Ish Smith's pocket <laughs> is, is what we're talking about here. Spencer Dinwiddie and his uh, creative financing. I, I wonder, Joe, a story like this, it's like, especially in sports media, NBA media, 99 times out of 100, this type of topic is going to be uh, either just not even on the radar of folks who do what we do. And now gambling is becoming a, a bigger and bigger part of the mainstream narrative, but you know, or just kind of overlooked. What what sort of reaction have you gotten from the respective leagues? You know, leagues from the people you dealt with, 
Uh, how do you feel about the way the story landed? You know what? I, I'm I'm really pleased by that because it is it's a very dense topic. It's not something that's in mainstream um, discussion. Uh, the the story was received very well, uh, both. Um, you know, in terms of the number of people who read it and the number of people who signed up to signed up to the athletic to get access to it, um, those were both really good, and the rea- the reader comments were very strong and and good, and um, and the leagues the leagues haven't I haven't heard much from them in the gambling community. Uh, the, the the reaction has been overwhelmingly positive just in terms of like this is a story that's that people need to understand is out there and and why um you know the 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 whole like we sort of set set the scene you know i said this whole thing started in west virginia and west virginia is a small state it's got a small gambling uh or a small sports betting business anyway and there are no pro teams there 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 is a um there is a PGA event, and that PGA event is actually tied to the governor of the state of West Virginia. And at the time in in, in February, March, April, and May of 2018, the leagues, Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the PGA had really kind of gotten in with the governor thinking that this man – his name is Jim Justice. He's a Republican um, – would be able to deliver for them the legislation that they wanted in that state. They wanted, you know, an integrity fee. And the the legislature was roundly opposed to this. Um, the, the casinos have had a long presence in, in uh, West Virginia, and they were there on the ground way before the leagues ever got involved on, on lobbying for this. And so the law had already been written. It had been pa- – it, it was passed without anything that the leagues had asked for. And so there's – okay, now all of a sudden there's this big last-ditch meeting in May of 2018 where the governor called everybody together and they brought in the big the, you know, the big shots from the leagues to come in and say one more time like what it is that the leagues want and they want a deal. They, they want to have this deal where they're getting paid off the bets and the goal was either to change the law in West Virginia to make that happen or for there to be a separate – uh, unilateral agreement between the leagues and the casinos who operate in in West Virginia to pay them this fee and the beginning of the of the meeting was was pretty explosive um you know according to our reporting um they the leagues especially led by uh, major league baseball's deputy commissioner Dan Halem who was there just kind of came in with the attitude of look like the governor's on side so we on our side so we're going to get this and you're going to do what we ask for or we're going to say that um you know your your law is no good and and betting is corrupt in in West Virginia and it's a bad setup and it, it was it was really it just got rough and tumble um and so that that is how we begin the story with this really contentious scene um but you know overall i mean the the i mean the sort of all the reporting i mean I, I think that like both sides whether it's the casinos or the or the leagues like they all say these things happen like yes there was this declaration to casinos that you've got to pay us for sports radar stuff or you're not going to get your information anymore um 
the, you know, the, the way these scenes played out in Michigan and in Illinois and Tennessee, like that's all agreed upon. So, you know, I mean, it, the story landed at a not great time for major league baseball, um, talking about an integrity fee, like literally when they have to hand down this massive, um, penalty to the Houston Astros for violating the integrity of their sport. It's just, it's a bad look, but, um, you know, so so yeah, been really really pleased with the with the fallout so far. Well, and to drill down on uh, you know the money quote from the headline, and and not trying to be overly salacious, but I mean, listen, the the creative process of what we do certainly thought goes into, you know, if you're going to use a quote in a headline, you know, what speaks to the story above all else, and so you have uh, Dan Halem, deputy commissioner of Major League Baseball, Halem, according to notes kept by one lawyer in the meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the part I'm missing is he is now speaking. Okay. Eric Shippers, vice president for Penn national gambling uh, mentioned that no Las Vegas bookmakers had agreed to any kind of payment and wanted to make, uh, wanted to know what was in it for the West Virginia casinos. Halem from the uh, major league baseball says, according to the lawyer's notes, uh, keeping our commissioner from going on TV saying the state's betting market is corrupt and sorts. Yeah. You want that or support that? Pay us. And, yeah. you know, to which Shippers said it's negotiation by Bayonet. Uh, that, from the part of me that spends most of my time in the sporting venue, uh, a little slice of politics, and, and there's politics within sports to be sure. But as a segue, with that type of color, that detail, this type of world that you dived into, uh, how advantageous do you think it was that you do have experience covering politics in the past? We've talked about it before. I forget how long it was, but this is one of those stories that in terms of your profile, it, it feels like it was right up your alley. Yeah. I mean, cause this, there's this story is so political in nature just because it, it's two years worth of them, these leagues going to individual state houses and asking for things that be written into law. And I, I had spent before I became an NBA writer, I had uh, I was one of the lead politics writers in Ohio at the Columbus Dispatch and and this story actually started because of um some sources I have working on this very issue uh in in uh Columbus um sports betting is up for debate in in the state of Ohio and the leagues have made their asks here in Ohio um, and and actually, a lot of this stuff ended up didn't not making the final version of the story because Ohio is not a state where there's been any action taken. Like they, the, the leagues didn't lose there because there's been no vote on any bill passed. Um, but they also haven't won there. And and we found some stuff in the in in the uh, in Ohio that would be hard to find if you didn't have the experience. Which basically, this is the great one. Um, there. The Major League Baseball has a political action committee. It is literally called the Office of the Commissioner of Major League Baseball. And through this fund, they they make campaign donations. And they mostly use it as the way any typical PAC is used. Um, you give to, to – a uh, corporate PAC, I mean. You give to um, – congressional and senate candidates at the federal level on both sides kind of grease both wheels so whoever wins um you can curry some favor if you need it uh the spending is pretty much right down the middle for most of how baseball spends its money um but in september of 2019 as the leagues were pushing for official league data 
um, a check came in to the Ohio Republican Party Fund from this baseball pack for five grand. And the timing was amazing. It was the same week that uh, an amendment for official league data came out of the Ohio Speaker of the House's uh, policy shop and started making its rounds to the lobbyists and to the, to the stakeholders in Ohio right at the same time. And we pressed baseball on this, and they said, well, uh, no, that that donation was actually requested by the governor of Ohio, Mike DeWine, and the request was made during the July All-Star Game in Cleveland. And so they just happened to wait uh, until the very end of the quarter, so three months until September to make the donation, and they claimed that it had nothing to do whatsoever with any legislation that was going on. That is the only non-federal donation that the Office of the Commissioner of Major League Baseball has made maybe ever in at least over a period of five years. That's how far back we checked. W- one time. <laughs> one wow. time, and it was right, right, right at this. Now, what does five grand get you in the in the grand scheme of things? I, you know, I, I mean, it's not a ton of money, but it is a it it is a way. Curious. It could be way yeah. to kind of to get in the door. Um, you know, it's but but they they haven't. I mean, that amendment has not made it into legislation that's up for any votes right now. It's also it's just funny, like how hard this has been for the leagues in Ohio because the governor who's asking for this money, by the way, is a minor league baseball owner, his family. So he's obviously uh, would be pro leagues. Um, the and then of course the spe- the uh, the Senate. Um, the the chairman of the committee in the Senate, the Ohio Senate that would take up this kind of bill is uh, Matt Dolan, who is the son of the Indians owner. <laughs> um, so you would think they'd have some furry, some uh, some favor there, um, but they haven't. So, right. you know, uh, um, we'll, we'll see what happens in Ohio if the bill ever makes it uh, makes it up for a vote and if it has data in it. But just uh, if you're into the politics thing, keep your eye on that. I, I bet that's not the last time that uh, that money gets raised in, in the state with, um, you know, official league data being whispered. Absolutely. And I'm sure you're going to stay on the story and it wouldn't shock me at all to, to see another iteration of it down the road. Um, great stuff, brother. Good job on that project. A couple quick housekeeping items before we head out. Uh, It's MLK Day today. I've got three games on in front of me as we speak. Uh, Just should never be forgotten what Dr. King did, and and we got a long ways to go in general. And just don't forget about the messages. Treat each other with kindness, and let's get this stuff together. Um, I got the the Wizards game in front of me, Joe, and, and I know I'm going down a different road, but to this day and probably forever, one of the most profound uh, experiences in my life was going to the African-American history museum uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, So, you know, it's much, much more than, Hey, isn't this fun? There's basketball on all day long. And that part shouldn't be forgotten. No, there really shouldn't. And this is, uh, I, you know, I love that the NBA has made today uh, a a day for that uh, today being Monday um, where you, you put on, it's one of the more important days of the year for the league. They, um, 
and for TNT, this is one of the days where they have the league block out uh, some of the best games for, for national TV. I'm here in Boston for uh, Lakers and, and Celtics, which is obviously uh, always uh, a big juicy one. Um, later in the week is uh, LeBron is supposed to play Kyrie for the first time this year. Uh, Kyrie is not going to play for the Nets tonight uh, because of a sore hamstring. Be interesting to see if he's ready to go uh, by Thursday. That, that's always fun when those two get together. Um, I just thought it was interesting, Sam, um, that Kyrie took so much flack last week for saying that the Nets um, need more uh, to win a championship. I, I thought the way he said it was pretty down to earth and like kind of respectful of, of who else was in the room. Um, just given that I was there two years ago in New Orleans when LeBron called us, called a couple of us over to his locker and went off and said, I need a fucking playmaker. <laughs> and Kyrie right. was still right. on the team. Uh, right. It was three years ago, whatever. But Kyrie was still on the team when that happened. And uh, and Kyrie caught more flack for, for what he said last week than LeBron ever did for that tirade. Um, so just yeah, some, some, some color there heading into that matchup if it actually happens. No question. I'm not sure how to take it. These are two, you know, two LeBron discussions where you fell on the, the other side of the LeBron fence. I don't know how to feel about this. <laughs> no, I mean, you, you said Giannis is the best player in the league. That that caught me a little off guard. And uh, and now you now you're bringing up bad pass with with Kyrie. What is happening? Here, man? Well, well, first of all, I think Kawhi is the best and Giannis is oh, the Kawhi. second best. Sorry. Yeah. So I've got LeBron third there. And and I'm not I mean I'm not disparaging LeBron for what he said that night. I thought he oh, was I'm right too. Um but it's just this it's it's something like when you try to understand Kyrie and it's very hard to do that. Um, but one of the things you have to keep in mind as you think about the arc of his career is that he felt like there was outsized um, attention and, and diligence paid to LeBron for everything he did and said, and not enough to LeBron's teammates. And there, there are a number of examples of this, but here is a, here is, here is one that would, that would, explain why Kyrie used to scratch his head when he was in Cleveland is is all Kyrie did was was say a much much milder version of something that LeBron said one year when they were together um and the reaction is totally different well i think though the reaction is different because those guys in that particular locker room accomplished more without Kyrie than they have with him yeah that would be the the retort yeah it's very, you know, I mean, and it's also context and history mattering quite a bit that he's on coming, you know, he's on the heels of the Celtics experience that had that, this very type of a dynamic. So I hear you, uh, you know, it's Kyrie is one of those guys that he's never going to, um, to, to not, I mean, once he gets in front of the camera, it's going to be probably fairly candid if he chooses to speak and then, you know a lot of times like this probably go a little too far. I mean, it's, it's never as a general practice with pro sports. If I was ever on that stage, I would never go down the, the road of listing specific teammates for any particular topic because <laughs> people, they always get in trouble because the mind is going to fail you and you're going to forget one or two guys and then dots get connected that might not exist and the genie's out of the bottle, and there's not much you can do. So, no, that matchup will be interesting. The last real thing to mention before we get out, um, thoughts and prayers to Chandler Parsons. Mm -hmm. With the Atlanta Hawks, uh, was part of a three-car wreck that, uh, according to his attorney, uh, did pretty serious injury. Uh, sounds like he's trying to recover. You know, Chandler signs that huge contract a few years back and just has not been able to get back 
to where he once was. Um, this is definitely bigger than basketball. Hope he can bounce back okay. A um, little bit morbid at the end here, brother, but that stuff matters. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you to the listeners, as always. If you haven't subscribed and reviewed on the old Apple podcast, please do that for us. We're trying to grow this thing as much as possible. Uh, love feedback, whether it's on social media or otherwise. Let us know what type of topics you want to get into or what you uh, want more of. And, Joe, we will talk to you next week, man. Thanks. Look forward to it.